Thank you, and God bless you today. I don't see a clock, so I'll take off my watch. A little boy went to church with his mother one night, and the preacher got up, took off his watch, waited on the pulpit. The little boy said, Mom, said, what does that mean? She said, nothing, son. Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well, I do respect the time today. And I know you're standing. Maybe I'll talk a little while and let you be seated, then I'll read something. You may be seated. God bless you today. We want to please the Lord today and everything we do. I'm pleased to be here and be among good men, wonderful men. Some I just got the privilege to know and others I've known down through the years. And uh, would you believe it, a gentleman came up to me last night and wanted to know if I remembered who he was. I'd only talked to him one time in 47 years. <laughs> Not 47 years. Brother Hudson over here. He preached a revival in the church where I was saved in Southern California in 1957. A lot of you weren't even around here in 57. I just got the Holy Ghost. My wife and I both just got the Holy Ghost. And he had just got married. Just young couple. He was driving a white 56 Ford. Evangelizing. I mean, tell you, we had a great revival. That One of the first revivals I guess I was in after I got the Holy Ghost. And, and uh, it was a marvelous, wonderful experience. Good to meet some of these good men. No, all of these good men. Can't have too many good men. You know, if it's right, then it's God. You can't have too much of it. The Bible talks about the fruits of the Spirit. There's nine of them. Goodness, meekness, temperance, gentleness, so on, so on. It says, against such there is no law. There's a lot of laws against something. You can only have so much of something. But you can't have too much of what's the real thing. If it is, some people I, I've, you know, been criticized and looked at and say, now I wonder if they should be carrying on like that or acting like that. Well, if it's a real thing, you can't do too much. If it's a real thing. If it's not the real thing, shouldn't be doing it at all. But if it is the real thing, you can't, you can't have too much goodness, mercy, love, temperance, gentleness, meekness. You say, well, he's too meek. Not if it's, not if it's Holy Ghost meekness. No, it's a real thing. You know, in Idaho, we're kind of slow getting started, you know. We, you know, some people don't hardly know where Idaho is. It's a, I tell you, it's not a Bible belt, guarantee you. It is not a Bible belt. But um, we pastor a wonderful group of people there. Next year, see, 05, yeah, church will have been there 80 years next year. And still there. There's been a few other churches down to the years start from it. Uh, yeah. At one time, there was three others. When I came there, there was two others. Claimed to be what we are. Claimed to be, you know. You can claim all you want, you know. But, you know, the proof of it is really in the spirit of how you live. And they claimed it, but 
they're not there now. Well, the, the buildings are still there, but doesn't amount to much. Doesn't amount to too much, but the devil's tried to tear down that old church. 1931, an old man, well, he wasn't too old then, in his 50s. He was an Iranian man from Iran, of all places. They called it Persia back then. He was a contemporary of A.D. Urshan. He came there at the recommendation of another gentleman who had preached there some months before by the name of G.T. Haywood. When I, just up to about five years ago, there was a lady in our church who remembered the service when G.T. Haywood preached in that church. It had a lot of history. A lot of old-time memories and things. and uh, it's, But it's not been without its battles. And, uh, but I thank God for it. I appreciate Brother Bass asking us to come. Brother Bass is a prince of a man. And I feel as that uh, I think it was Daniel spoken of that uh, he had an excellent spirit. And I feel an excellent spirit in the host of this meeting and other men here. And that means a lot. You can't have too much of that. You can't be too kind. You can't be too nice. If it's really Holy Ghost goodness and kindness and and I feel an excellent spirit in this man, and it shows in the aura and the spirit of this meeting. It overflows. You, you feel that. You recognize that. You sense that. I'm reminded of a little story I heard one time of a young lady. She was a, she was a uh, protege with a violin. She, uh, she was acclaimed all over by critics and by experts, and she had a teacher who was an old master. He was the, uh, of the highest regard and caliber. No one knew more about teaching the violin than, than he did. And she practiced and practiced and practiced. And one day she got her opportunity to play at a huge uh, symphony gathering and play a violin solo. And she came to the stage and Tucked the violin under her chin, began to draw the bow over the strings. The music began to go out to the crowd. She played for a little while and stopped and she looked. The crowd was just, they were on their feet. They were clapping, applauding, and she had a pained look on her face and she concentrated all the more and began to play that violin more. And this happened a number of times and and she would look and search the crowd, and the crowd was on its feet and just acclaiming her and applauding her. And she began to play again. And this time, the crowd, she began to do better. Each time she would just do things with that violin that people thought impossible to do. And finally she looked out there and tears began to well up in her eyes and run down her face. A little smile broke over her face, and she bowed and walked off the stage. And later on, someone asked her, said, what was going on up there? Why were you acting that way? And what happened? She said, well, I searched the crowd until I found my teacher. And I locked into his eyes. And as I continued to play, and people would clap and everything, and... Uh, he made no expression. He was just very stoic. 
And finally, there toward the last, she said, he nodded his head. And that was all she needed. It didn't matter what everyone else thought. She wanted to please the master. And when she pleased him, everything was all right. Amen. And I, I can say this morning, I, I want to please the master. I want to please him. I don't know how many amens there'll be or hand clapping there'll be or whatever. But I'm here to please the master. This performance is for him. I don't like to say it that way. It's not a, not a performance. I'm not up here to perform. I, I don't sing, dance, or do anything, you know, or tell jokes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do that. I, I guess I can, but I may be funny, but I don't tell jokes. But um, I appreciate being here and among these gentlemen of marvelous caliber. Oh, we need that in these days. How we do need it. We need men to walk among us, tall and strong, who hear the voice of God. We need men who are in the fivefold ministry. There's apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And could I digress for a moment and say, there's also helps in governments. You may be... You may be a young man, or you may feel something on your heart to preach. You may be working with your pastor, as you should. And it may be the will of God for you just to stay there and never go out. That's right. There's helps and there's governments that a pastor of a church of a given size as it begins to grow, he has to have help. He has to have help. You get upwards of 75, 80, 100, 150, 200, 250 people. Maybe you can do it by yourself, but if you can, you're a superman. I, maybe you can. I can't. But, but maybe you can. I, I appreciate the Lord giving us some marvelous help. I've got some men there that have been with me 20 years. Called to preach. I mean, they can preach. They can preach in any circle. But they know right there is where they're going to stay. Now, we've sent others out. But that's, that's so needful today. It is so needful for a man to have someone who's dedicated to God and dedicated to him. And he's going to just purpose in his heart, God, this is where I'm going to be. This is where I'm going to stay. Amen. I'm going to read a scripture relative to that after a while. His qualifications. And, you know, we need prophets and apostles. I don't say that not in the flaky sense. Yay, let's say it the Lord. That, yeah, you know, I guess that can be. But men who actually hold that office, if they ever were, then they should be today. And they should walk among us. The only thing that worries me, gentlemen, it, it, it worries me. I wonder if I would crucify him. A real prophet of God. You say, oh boy, he'd make us all feel good. I doubt that. He might not make us all feel good all the time. Sometimes, oh yes. Sometimes it make you feel good when you don't think it's possible. Sometimes it puts you on your knees too. 
I just wonder if a real, real, genuine prophet of God, an apostle, would walk among us if we would recognize it and we would treat him as such. I hope to God that we would because in these days, Lord have mercy, you know, two or three would serve for the whole movement. That's all we'd need. By their scarcity and by their rarity is what makes them so valuable. If diamonds and gold were everywhere you walked, you know, they call, they're called precious metals, precious stones, because they're not everywhere. You don't go stick a shovel in the ground, dig up, well, what do you know, there's a bunch of diamonds there, gold. No, you don't do that. You don't do it. And so I just trust and pray that uh, God would speak to us. And I pray that men like that would arise because sometimes I need something. I thank God for what we're going to hear, what we heard last night, and what we're going to hear today and tomorrow at, at meetings like this. He may not know who he is. He may not know what his office is. And I don't know if it's a descending order, but I think an apostle could be everything of prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. A prophet could be an evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Evangelist could be a pastor and teacher. And pastor has to be a teacher. A teacher... That's what he is. He may not be a pastor, but he'd be a good Bible teacher. And uh, but we need we need that apostolic ministry. We 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 claim to have it. We say we have it. But my how we how we need to hear the voice of God through a a vessel that He has determined. Been a long time since someone has walked among us with a profile that. Some have had. I hesitate to mention names, but to change the climate and the atmosphere of a whole fellowship, it has been done. And uh, I'm talking with Brother Hudson about my pastor, Brother Reynolds. He started seven churches from the ground up. He was not well known, that well known among our fellows. He had a good reputation. He died when he was 59 years old. But I could catalog all nine gifts of the Spirit in his ministry. Had a wonderful walk with God, a prayer life second to none. I don't mean just in time spent, but I mean in the quality of his prayer life. Marvelous, marvelous. I could, I could stand up here for a long time and just talk about the ministry that my pastor had. But I want to bring something to you from the Word of the Lord. I'm going to be reading from the book of Psalms. Brother Mead did a great job last night, didn't he? Yes. Thank God. I'll remember that about not being a vagabond. Oh, you need some roots. You need some roots and to be rooted and grounded. In. Amen. I'm going to read from Psalms number 133. Someone quoted part of this last night. It was either Brother Mead or Elder Brother Bass, I'm not sure, quoted this scripture. You know, I thank God for men who are of an independent persuasion. I, I happen to be in an organization, just barely, and uh, some good men in it, some good men. But there's a lot of men who are not called. 
because of a system that can give you a license to preach. That's not good. You don't need a license to preach. You need to be approved of your pastor. Paul said about Timothy, he said, you know the proof of him as a son with a father. He said, he's, like, he's different than all the others. He said, all the others seek their own, not that which is Jesus Christ. But he said, now him, you know how he, you know what his credential and his diploma was? How he worked with his pastor. And you know how he worked with his pastor, young men? As a son with a father. As a son with a father. Amen. And he said, that's, that's his qualification. That was Paul's recommendation that he's been just like my son. He's worked with me. But organizations and things, and you get departments and things all involved, and there's a lot of men running around and license in their pocket. They're not called to preach. And that's one thing that I commend the independent movement for, the independent fellowship, is you don't find that a lot. You don't find it a lot. That's, that's, that's very good, brethren. That's very positive. And I'll probably be with you one of these days. I mean, I feel like I am anyway, but this happens to be that way. I've only been in the organization 40, Lord have mercy, 43 years, almost 44. Now I'm going to read Psalms 133, and I got my watch up here, and it does mean something. Although my watch says only it's only quarter to ten, but I won't recognize that. That's what time it is in Idaho. I realize you're standing. Psalms 133, Psalm of David. Behold, in other words, he wants to get your attention right away. He said, look now, look. Look at here, behold. In other words, get, grasp this. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's a good statement. But then he makes a comparison that used to puzzle me. It is like, what is like? The fellowship of the brethren. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Just for the sake of the man running the tape machine, we could call this fellowship is a sacred thing. Fellowship is a sacred. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Fellowship is a sacred thing. In looking back in the book of Exodus, chapter 30, I want to read about this ointment. The author David here said, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Unity is a wonderful thing. Unity is better than friendship. Friendship's good, wonderful, thank God for it. We all have our friends. But I am unified with far more men than I am friends. All of us have a few friends 
but we have a great unity. Thank God. That's, that's what God's interested in. I mean, I mean, he gives us friends along the way, and I thank God for that. People with whom we can share things and maybe a confidant or whatever. But unity is so important. David said it's good. He said how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He said it's like the ointment. And Aaron was the high priest. He was anointed to that office. The anointing oil was poured over him. Must have been in copious quantities. It ran over him. In fact, it was so much that it ran down all the way to his garments and I guess dripped on the floor. Exodus chapter 30, verse 22, tells us a little bit about this ointment. It was special. Very, very special. It could not be used for anything else. Or it became a curse. Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure myrrh, five hundred shekels, and of sweet cinnamon, half so much, even two hundred and fifty shekels, and of sweet calamus, two hundred and fifty shekels, and of cassia, five hundred shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of olive oil and hen, and thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be a holy anointing oil, and thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all his vessels, and the candlestick, and his vessels, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all his vessels, and the laver, and the foot. And thou shalt sanctify them, that they may be most holy. Whosoever touches them shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured. Neither shall you make any other like it. After the composition of it, it is holy, and it shall be holy unto you. Whosoever compoundeth any like it, or whosoever puts any of it upon a stranger, shall even be cut off from his people. Fellowship's a sacred thing. It's a holy thing. He made a large... Do you, brother, know how much a hen is? H-I-N. How much is a hen? That was the main vehicle of this. How many? One. That's a lot. And how many? He made a lot of it. There's a large volume of it. Aaron was saturated with this. Because Aaron held an office. He held a marvelous office, recognized. He held an office for all the people. Aaron was a representative. When his two sons died, got killed because they offered strange fire, he was not even allowed to take off his garments. He could not dab his eyes with a handkerchief. He could not sniffle. 
Because you represent the people and they were wrong. <sighs> Lord have mercy, that was hard. I have two sons, John and Jeff. And oh, I mean my two boys, we've just had some great times together. I think in one fell swoop, if something happened to them, and God told me, he said, don't you cry, don't you weep. I'd say, forget it. I think I will. I mean, I don't know, maybe with the help of the Lord, but there was a reason behind that, because Aaron held an office that was greater than his person. He held an office that represented far more than his emotions and feelings. And I'm glad we don't run on our emotions and feelings. If I did, I would have quit this long ago. I'd have thrown in the town, I'd have picked up my spray gun again and started painting cars again. If I went by my emotion and my feeling. But we don't. The men that are who are in the ministry, especially, we are saturated with this. Like I said earlier, you can't have too much of a good thing. And these, this oil was a combination. We, we read the calamus and the cinnamon and the different things. It, it was... He, he told him 500 of this, 250 of this, 250 of this. God was very precise. It had to be just like he said. It was a combination of a number of things, and every one of them were needed. Now, I won't be laborious to the point of, of uh, I guess you could if you wanted to take every type and shadow of every element, but I'm not going to do that. Sometimes we get down such detail that we almost lose the picture of things. But just the, the fact of the ointment itself. David said, oh, it's great for brethren to dwell together in unity. David probably scratched his head. He got writer's block there for a minute. and thought, what in the world? What in the world? Let's see, what's it like? Hmm, fellowship, unity. Oh, it's wonderful. And all of a sudden... Spirit of the Lord moved over and said, It's like the ointment that was poured over Aaron. David said, It was? Huh. Okay, God, if you say so. And when you check up on that ointment, every ingredient was needed. And there it said, God said in verse 3, he said it was like the dew of Hermon, of the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, and I like this part, even life forevermore. Life, that's everlasting life. I tell you, our, our fellowship and our harmony and our blessing together can be so refreshing, it can help you make heaven. He said, there, the Lord commanded the blessing. He said, that ointment, he said, fellowship was like the ointment. The ointment was like the dew of Hermon, fresh and refreshing after a hot summer day. In the cool of the morning, it was such so wonderful to get out there and walk early in that morning when the dew was so fresh, it descended upon the mountains of Zion. It was such a wonderful thing. It was so refreshing. And thank God for meetings and gatherings like this that are so refreshing, so wonderful, because that ointment is poured out. You know, you couldn't use that for anything else. In fact, he said if you use it for anything else, 
He said, Whosoever compoundeth any like it, or whosoever puts any upon a stranger, not to be used for strangers. There's certain things we don't fellowship. We don't fellowship certain people. They may be awful close, but if it isn't the exact compound, we don't fellowship. It's got to have every ingredient, every single ingredient. Everyone can't be missing any. You say, well, they're, they're almost like us. No, they're not. They're not. They're not almost like us if they allow. Let's see, what can I say allow here? I've got to check it with my mouth, you know. Allow women to have slits in their skirts so much, you know. Hey, ladies, you know what that is? You know what that is? That's a window. Somebody said, well, the slit is not up above the knee. It's a window. They say it's only about one-third of the way up. How many of you, in per, you know, this may be a little bit, uh, I hope not crude, but how many of you would get dressed in front of a third open window? That's a window, ladies. That's a window. They're not like us. There's some ingredient missing. No, we don't. There's no hatred, no rancor, no evil feeling, nothing like that. We're not trying to oppose anybody. That's not our battle with them. Our battle's with the devil. You can conquer the devil. You can conquer that that spirit. Conquer that lustful spirit. It's not a very nice lady who'd keep a window open just so somebody would look in through it. Ah, this, this fellowship was a wonderful thing. You know, one thing, we're going to have to watch out for a number of things. Thank God against television and video and all those things. I don't mean exactly what the words say, but we better watch the Internet. We've got to watch the Internet. I mean, I don't mean we watch it. No. But I mean, we better be cautious. I don't, I don't like anything about it. I wondered why years ago when computers came out, I hated them. I hated computers. I don't even own one. Uh, we've got them in our church, yeah. Secretary has them, different department. But I don't like them. They're so impersonal. For one thing, you go to a business, you want a 75-cent part for the carburetor of your lawnmower. Our computers are down. You can't even get it. You can't even get a 75-cent part for your lawnmower. Oh, anyway, that's another story. That has nothing to do with fellowship. But, well, I'm telling you, the Internet has slain its tens of thousands. And it's doing it. God help us to not get in a situation that's lose-lose. You get involved and entrenched in something that the devil wants you to get in a morass of something from which you cannot extricate yourself. Got a man in our church who's a supervisor for Dell. And they want to send him different places in the world. And he has been to Argentina. They wanted him to go to India and different places. And he's a computer genius. And he said, it is so dangerous. He said, that internet every day he said every day there are over, I forget, I don't know whether 200 or 2,000 new pornographic sites added. 
Pornography is the number one biggest thing on the internet. Bigger than the AFL, bigger than the, the than sports, bigger than entertainment combined. You can bring, you know, anyway. There's just some things we don't fellowship because it's a sacred thing. David said, it's like that ointment that flowed down over Aaron. It's a wonderful thing. And he said, it's so important, the warning there. He said, whoever makes any like it, close to it. Or even if you take it and put it upon a stranger to take what we have. Some people have said, well, we, if we fellowship them, maybe we can get them in. Well, not when they came out. You don't get too many people back in. Now, backslider, a genuine prodigal son, oh, yeah, we'll work with them. Oh, yeah, we'll work with the backslider. Somebody that walked away from the Lord, but he's lost and he knows he's lost and he knows he's wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll try to win him back to the Lord. We'll, we'll, we'll open the Father's house, and when he comes in, boy, we'll have a party. We'll have a great time when he weeps his way back to God and gets refilled with the Holy Ghost. Because he knows he's wrong. But, but he said, you cannot even put this upon a stranger. It is not to use for yourself. How good and how pleasant it is. God said, this is that these are the perimeters where you use this ointment. It is only to be put on Aaron, and, it put, and you could put it on the articles of furniture in the tabernacle. And they all represent something, food and light and worship, you know, perfume and light and prayer. They represent something. And I can't see us fellowshipping and praying with people who don't believe and don't who love who who don't love Acts two thirty eight, and who don't think that it is absolutely essential to get to heaven. I mean, absolutely, one hundred percent. I can't take the fellowship that I have and put that with somebody else. Then that becomes what is supposed to be a blessing becomes a curse to me. God said, I'll cut you off from among the people. God bless you. Getting down a little bit closer, a little detail. You can't fellowship someone also, and we have to watch this. You can't fellowship someone who's in this for themselves. Aaron wasn't in that for himself. He was in it for the kingdom. And especially those in the ministry and those who minister before the altar in the spiritual sense, spiritual descendants of Aaron, of the priesthood and of the apostolic ministry. Oh, God of heaven, when God calls a man, I don't know what all happens in heaven. I don't know how God does it, whether he makes an announcement. I don't know whether he records it in a book other than the book of life. I don't know, but there must be something that God does when he, recall, when he calls a man to preach. In a marvelous moment, when that man realizes that I'm in this, God called me to preach. Come on. Yeah, there ought to be rejoicing, there ought to be happiness, but there ought to be a whole lot more tears than anything else. There ought to be a whole lot more tears than anything else. You can't fellowship 
someone who's in this for themselves. They'll destroy the whole spirit of a meeting like this. Someone can get up here behind this pulpit, and if they're in this thing for themselves, they have that spirit and that attitude, they're going to cast a pallor over the whole thing. And we'll wonder, well, how did that get in there? How that get? Because somebody came up behind a pulpit, and they were in this thing for themselves. You know, my church does not, the church I pastor, does not exist to take care of me. I thank God that it does, and I appreciate the blessings of the Lord, but I exist to take care of it. It's not there so I can drive a new car or have a nice home. And I have a new car, and I have a nice home, okay? But that's not, that church does not exist for that. But I exist for it. And... Lord said, you can't put this oil, you can't put it on someone just because they say, hey, mm, that smells nice. Mm, that's pretty. That's, uh, I'd like to use some of that. Aaron have to say, don't you dare touch it. You cannot use it just as being casual or indifferent. Our fellowship, gentlemen, our fellowship, brothers and sisters, is a sacred thing. And it... it, it it does not go beyond certain perimeters. I understand this is a conference on revival and evangelism. And yes, we need to reach out to the lost. I mean, if we're not doing that, something's wrong. We need to reach out to lost people. But he's not talking about people who are lost, people who are without God, without hope. Sinners who know they're sinners. Man, if you can find a sinner these days, Lord have mercy. You find that. And, you know, we try to reach out. Now, I don't know. This may be criticized. Our church, we believe in evangelism. We run buses. We run about seven or eight, I don't know, something like that, buses. We'll bus in close to 200 kids on a Sunday. And now we start bringing them in at night, Sunday night service. Somebody says, well, they just boosted up. Yeah, on Sunday we'll have a nice number, Sunday morning. But Sunday night, we've been bringing them in. We had about 30 there last Sunday. Little girl praying, tears, praying. She's 10, about 10 years old. Got the Holy Ghost. Little Sunday school girl. Somebody said the bus driver went to pick him up for Sunday night service, and there were some other siblings in the home. They said, no, you stay home, Soraya. Usually, I think that's her name, Soraya. You stay home. You watch the other kids. She said, no, no. I want to go to church tonight. I want to get the Holy Ghost tonight. And she got the Holy Ghost that night. Somebody said the next day, the next day at school, last Monday, she was out telling the other kids on the playground in the class about getting the Holy Ghost. It's a long-range thing. It's a long-range thing, but thank God for evangelists. I know I'm digressing a little bit there, but uh, there's a young lady in our church. She's 34 years old now, I think, something like that. She's married to our assistant pastor's son. She got the Holy Ghost. She came into the church when she was a senior in high school. Very attractive young lady. Came in, got the Holy Ghost. Uh, a few years later, married the assistant pastor's son. They have three children now, doing great, working for the Lord. And um, when she was just a little bitty girl, oh, I don't know, five, six, seven maybe, she used to ride one of our, this before I even came there, rode one of the Sunday school buses. She used to sit on the bus driver's lap and help steer the, the bus, you know. The one driving the bus is her father-in-law now. She quit when she was school junior high and into high school 
And she got convicted and started. A friend invited her to come to church. She came as a senior in high school, got the Holy Ghost. Just a few months ago, her mother got the Holy Ghost. Thank God. And last Sunday, her dad was in church. But this holy anointing oil, I just said that through that in for evangelism. We do use buses. They can be used. They're expensive to run, and it's a long-range program. Plan to do it for years, but it isn't. Things don't go too often. I, I talked to Brother Godair too, and he'll say this, and uh, Vaughn Morton too. Same thing. It isn't uncommon to have somebody walk into the church, a young adult, come to the altar and pray, or go visit with them after the service and say, "Good to have you." Say, "I used to ride one of your buses to Sunday school." And I just started thinking about coming to church, so I just thought I'd come here. That's not uncommon at all. But we've got such a backlog, you know, 20 years, 20-some years of it now. We had a lapse there for a while, but we've got a great bus director now. Does a tremendous job. Young preacher does a tremendous job running the bus ministry. And they can be a blessing. We've got them all painted up. We've got a yellow one. We've got a blue one. We've got a green one. We've got a red one. We've got big designs on the sides of them. Uh, we've got the big blue bus. We've got the super stinger. We've got the, uh, um, our church is Bethel Temple. We've got the BT Cruiser, Bethel Temple Cruiser. And uh, we've got the green machine and all of them. And the kids love to ride those buses. Man, they, they love to do it. Yeah, it costs a little money. We want to build a new church, and we don't have the money to do it, and trust for the Lord to help us. The holy anointing oil is not for individual use. It's for the office of the service. You know, um, as I said earlier, I want to enlarge a little bit that point that uh, you can't use fellowship for your own advantage. God was some reason, God gave us a type and a shadow here. David said, what's this like? Fellowship. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that was poured over Aaron. And he began to think about this oil and what it was made of. And God's commandments, don't you make it for yourself? Don't you use it for yourself? Aaron couldn't take any home and say to Mrs. Aaron, Hey, honey, I'll check out this new perfume. They even, you know, you can find other places in, in the Bible, the, uh, the uh, composition of the perfume they used on the uh, altar uh, to uh, come up before the Lord. That also had a curse attached to it if you used it for yourself. It was, a, it was called the, um, it was after, it was called a confection. It was a sweet odor. It's in there. It said, don't you use this for yourself. We're not in this for ourselves. Even if you're a child of God, if you're not a preacher, you're not in this for yourself. You're a member of the body of Christ. You're a viable member. I don't know whether you may be a carpal, a metal, metacarpal, or a phalange, or whether you may be a, you can be a liver, a duodenum, you can be a clavicle, a scapula, you can be something. Everybody in the body of Christ is something. And God wants you to use what He gave you, what came from Him to you. You use. You use. I was talking to Brother Bass last night. 
We're talking about people who've been to our churches and who were used of God and who were blessed of God. There was a young man who was in our church, raised in our church, born in our church, raised on a church pew, got the Holy Ghost in our church, got up in late teenage and around there. He was an absolute protege. I mean, he wrote... He wrote musical themes. He wrote scores. He wrote music. He could sit down at the keyboard, and I mean to tell you, he could make the keyboard talk. But I had to keep shutting him down. I mean, I don't boast or brag. I could not, got to the place to where I just could not use him. Well, he drifted away. A charismatic church in town picked him up like that. Full-time music director, paid full-time. But that will become a curse to him. Because now then, now then, one time he knew, well, you're right, but uh, I just don't want to live it. Now then, he doesn't even think you, uh, that we're right. He doesn't think we're wrong necessarily, but he thinks a lot of others. See, it's become a curse. What was supposed to be a blessing, he wanted to use for himself. He wanted himself to be known and to be recognized. And he took what God had gave him. God had given him. He took that and used it for himself. And now then he's living under a curse. A curse of unbelief. The curse of false doctrine. He may never find his way back to the Lord again. You don't take what God gives you and use it for yourself. God said it'll be a curse. He said I will cut off that individual. No, God help us. Isn't it a sad thing that God brings people out of the world, <coughs> cleans up their life, gives them a wonderful blessing, gives them a good church and a good pastor, and begins to use them in certain ways. And then they take that, and they want to use that for themselves. Even, if, you know, even people who stay in church, stay in an apostolic church, but don't have the right spirit, don't have the right attitude. They want to, you know, we've got to have the right spirit in this thing. We've got to have the right attitude. And that holy anointing oil, he said, it is like the precious ointment that ran down the head. It went all the way down. It dripped off his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon. God commanded the blessing. What was the blessing? Everlasting life. If we take what God gave us and we use it the way he wants us to use it, we're going to make heaven. But if, you, if we take what God gave us and we use it for something else, if I would use my position, if a minister of the gospel would use his position or use a pulpit like this or use a platform like this or one of our churches for himself. And I know we've all had tendencies to maybe want to do it. We've got this and this personal vendetta and we want to get to somebody out there. Somebody, we better not do it. We better not use this for ourselves. We may have it and say, bless God, I'm going to nail his hide to the wall tonight. Well, I know sometimes we get aggravated in our own churches, and I scorch the people now and then, you know, and run them over the coals, things like that. You know, a couple are causing you trouble, so I get mad at everybody, you know. Uh, these guys don't do that, but I do sometimes. They've got two or three giving me trouble or problems. I get up there, and my wife said, well, what would you get on to everybody for? You know. Please put up with us. You know, we're trying to do our best. That, that does happen. But for a preacher to get up in the pulpit and to use... God have mercy. A preacher who has an anointing 
Oh, God, help us. It has that holy oil poured over him to bring everlasting life to people. And to want to use that for some trite little thing. Want to use that for some small little personal vendetta. Some little gripe in some way God says, don't you do that. You don't put it on yourself. You don't put it on for your own personal use. Aaron, that was for you to minister. I, that was poured over you to anoint you to this office and anoint you to this job, anoint you to this position, anoint you as service. Don't you realize what those stones on your shoulders are? Don't you realize what those stones on the breastplate are? Don't you realize what those 12 stones represent? Aaron, when you come before me, don't you know that you carry the people on your shoulders and you carry them on your heart? And God said, that's not enough. I'm going to have this oil poured over him. And I'm going to saturate it because I want him to minister for everlasting life to these people. Oh God, what comes out of our heart, what comes out of our mouth, ought to be to bring life. One time Jesus' disciples came up to him and they had been rejected in a certain area. They said, Lord, you want us to command fire to come down out of heaven and consume them? As if they could anyway. Like Elijah did. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. They looked at him, looked at each other. He said, son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. we got to judge properly the Lord's body because that's His church. He said, I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. When He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, He took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, in an unworthy manner, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And let a man examine himself. Now, I know this is talking about the communion service. I understand that. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That means they're dead, spiritually. He was speaking in a figurative sense here. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. They were taking something that was to be precious and holy and wonderful and taking the communion service to remember every promise God ever gave us and to remember for help and strength and for blessing and to, to remember Calvary and to remember his sacrifice. And they were just taking it indiscriminately and lightly and casually and indifferently and it, it didn't mean anything to them. When it didn't mean anything to them and they used it that way, it became a curse to them. He said, now you have not judged. You have not discerned. In other words, you haven't thought about what you're doing and the Lord's body, which is the church. Isn't it the church? Isn't that, 
The Lord's body is the church. You're not thinking about the church like you ought to, folks. That's what he was saying. I'm not telling you that. I'm, I'm, that's what he said. Everybody here is. And, uh, but anyway, um, he said, you haven't discerned. In other words, you don't understand what you're doing. You don't understand that you're not living right, and you're partaking of this, that just like it's a blessing or something. It can be, but it, to them it became something that is a wonder. And in the communion service, my pastor had such a revelation on that. He could teach on it. I mean, tell you, you were so thrilled to take communion that, that, that you couldn't. I mean, it just wasn't first Sunday of the month or first one time a year, New Year's. No, sir. He felt in the Holy Ghost, our church needs communion. We need to take it. And oh, he would teach a little bit on it, and we would partake of it, and there would be a holy hush over that congregation. Such a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing. But Paul said, you're not, you're not judging things right. You haven't judged the Lord's body. You haven't done this. He said, and for this reason, there's weak and sickly folks among you, spiritually speaking, and some of you are, are even dead because you haven't judged, you haven't recognized your place together with these people, the Lord's body. When you fully recognize the Lord's body, you realize your part in it. You can't really realize what it is until you know, hey, I'm in this thing. Whoa, I'm part of a body. The old song says, hip bone connected to the leg bone, leg bone connected to the knee bone. Knee bone connected to the foot bone. Yeah, you hear the word of the Lord. You bones, you bones, he went on to say. Yeah, we're all connected. You can have the most healthy fibia, tibia, whatever it is, but you cut some of the ligaments and it's useless. These bones right here, big, strong bones, support all the weight of the body. Destroy the ligaments in them. They're just poof, nothing left. Just collapse and they'll fall. Those ligaments, oh, how marvelous they are. Man, this body's made wonderful. Thank God we got some ligaments out here. You keep these bones here. Some people keep other folks together. You say, I, I don't do anything to church. I don't, can't preach, can't testify. I can't sing. I can't play. But, but somehow you're a peacemaker. And you can keep other people this and they said, oh man, they shouldn't be at odds. And you help them, you bring them together so they can take the, or someone who's going through something and you can go to them and you can pray with them and you can encourage them and you can lift them up. And they may be a big heavy bone, have a high profile and you think you're nothing, but you have become a ligament to strengthen them. Hold them up so they can hold up a load. Maybe they can hold up the pastor and help him hold up his hands. Not judging. My, my, my. I don't mean to belabor the point, but we can't overemphasize the fact that this wonderful thing of fellowship cannot be used for anything else. It cannot be used outside of ministering to the needs of the church. He said, whosoever, if you, you can't put it on yourself for uh, other than being anointed with it, I pray, dear God, 
I don't ever want to get up in a meeting and say, ah, there's brother so-and-so. Aha, he believes such-and-such. Boy, I'm going to nail his hide to the wall tonight. He believes that, well, that's another story. <laughs> he believes something I don't believe. You know, and bless God. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You may go to him and you may talk to him over a cup of coffee or something, but don't use this. Now, if it's sin, if it's an overt, blatant sin, that's different. That's different. If we're nailing sin and hitting sin and hitting ungodliness and impurity and dishonesty and things like that, that's different. But if it's personal, if it's personal, talk to him over a cup of coffee or Dr. Pepper or something like that, you know. Take him out fishing, talk to him, you know, something like that. But don't use this. Oh, God, my Lord and my God, help us, Lord. This is for an office of service. That's what it's for. Six and a half minutes to go. Is that right? Did I go over? Okay. Praise the Lord. Well, let's love the Lord. Let's love His work. Love His cause. Fellowship is a sacred thing. It's not to be used anything out of the sacredness of the office for which God intended it. It is a wonderful thing. Isn't it great? And a wonderful fellowship. He said how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Dwell together in unity in the work of God and in the cause of God and in the service of God. It's such a one. Let's stand together, could we? God bless you. Praise the Lord. God, we love you today. We love you today, oh Lord.